you have your Bibles, you can go to John chapter 10 this morning. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, Signs of Life, John chapter 10. Like somebody's on one of those microphones. Uh, you know, there's, it's funny, you know, you, ne- you never know what you're going to walk into, and today we walked into... Uh, you know, all sorts of technical issues, but like Heather said earlier, I'm thankful that God is not bound to technical issues. At some point, we just say, well, we tried, and we did our best, and God's still going to be here, so I uh, I, I still think there, you know, I, I love Joy Fest. I still think, though, that we should just set up shop without, you know, I thank God for air conditioning, but, but I still... There are days I, I think about, Lord, what it must have been like in the New Testament just to not have to deal with a mortgage and not have to deal with all the bills that go with the building and with all the, all the, and people still came, you know, didn't matter whether or not you had the, they still had thousands of people, didn't matter. So, uh, John chapter 10, verse 1 says, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a, what, a thief and a robber. Tries to get in some other way as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. In verse 7, he says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me... He will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What a a powerful uh, picture here that Jesus gives us, uh, first off, of the good shepherd, and then what kind of life you and I are called to live. I'm going to probably take about 20 or 30 minutes here, and we all know that that's a lie, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to be aware. Uh, my clock has disappeared from the top, so that means we might be here for a couple of hours. Um, I, I usually, there's usually a clock up on the ledge, and it's gone this morning. Everything's disappearing this morning, so we'll just, we're just going to dive in and see where God goes, but um, <laughs> I, I will do my best, though. Here in, in John chapter 10, we find Jesus telling us that he is the good shepherd. He is leading us as our good shepherd. In Psalms 23, we, we find a picture of this as well. It says that uh, the, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not, what? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my good shepherd. He's leading the way. Psalms 23 is a great passage to compare here to John chapter 10 and what Jesus is teaching us. But, but Jesus says that he's the good shepherd, and he tells us about the thief. Any good shepherd knows 
but they have to be on the watch for. A shepherd knows what preys and what lurks around the corner at night, so to speak. He knows about those wolves. He knows what can come in and, and kill his sheep, and he's on watch. He's on lookout over his sheep, and so he warns the sheep. He's telling us, he's warning us that there is a robber, there is a thief, there's someone out there looking to kill, to steal, and to destroy you. His focus in this passage is not on the stealing, stealing the killing, and the destroying. Uh, he's, his focus is not on the thief, although he tells us about the thief. He tells us about the robber. He says, I need you to be aware that there's a lion out there who's, who's roaring. He's trying to get in to destroy you, to kill you, and to steal from you. But Jesus came, the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. In 1 John 3, we, we hear this echoed in 1 John 3. I don't, I don't remember the specific verse off the top of my head. But Jesus says that he came to deal with the works of the devil. And so part of that dealing with the works of the devil is that he is to deal with the stealing, the killing, and the destroying. And Joel chapter 2 talks about the curse that's brought on, 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 our, on us because of sin and disobedience. Because of sin and disobedience, we know that the, there's destruction that comes. Joel chapter 2, the same passage, by the way, that Peter prophesies from on the day of Pentecost, talks about the destruction first. Talks about the problems and the issues that come. But he says, but in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. This has happened. The destruction has come. The thief has come and he's stolen. But in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to deal with the destruction. I've come to restore supernatural life. So Jesus focuses here on himself in John 10, and he talks about who he is as the good shepherd. And then he sums this up by saying, I have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Who's the they in this passage of scripture? It's the sheep. It's us. In other words, it's you and I, that we are the recipients of the abundant life. He said, I've come that they, that you and I, we might have abundant life. That word abundant in the Greek is the word to overflow. It's superabundance. It's the, it's the overflow. Uh, it's without measure. If, if I were to take, well, there was a, a bottle of water up here. Can I have a bottle of water? Not for the purpose of drinking, but for the purpose of illustration. If this, this, this bottle of water has, it, it has a measure, right? The measure on this bottle of water is 16.9 fluid ounces. There's a, it can contain 16.9 fluid ounces. And once you get above 16.9 fluid ounces, it can't contain anymore, right? This water bottle has a measure. But what Jesus is saying here is, I have come that they would have life and have it more abundantly without measure. You, there, you don't have a cap. There's no lid. There's no capacity that can stop the measure that God has for you. There's a super abundance for you and I. Y'all ought to shout better than that. Because 
Because that means overflow. That means that I can constantly be increasing and expanding in Christ. There's never a point in life where we reach the, we reach the capacity and say, well, I've reached my 16.9 fluid ounces. I'm done. That's all I need of God. I have all that I need. I'm good. Put me in the refrigerator, chill me off, and take me out at the rapture. I'm good. That's not, that's not how that works. There's, there's a super abundance available to you and I. Without measure, you and I ought to be overflowing, constantly being filled. And, and we recognize, you know, it, that's why drinking, can I just pause for a moment and just, just spontaneously preach here? That this is, this is why drinking in of the Spirit is so important. Because we never stop receiving. So when we talk about drinking, we're talking about constantly, continually. Am I making you thirsty? I see some of you pulling out your water. Constantly. This is, this is an advertisement for purified water from members, Mark. So constantly drinking, perpetually drinking. That's why Paul said in Ephesians to be being filled. It's never stopping. Always Drinking in of the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is living water. You and I keep drinking. And what happens if you drink? If you keep drinking of water in the natural, you can, well, you start expanding, right? You can, you can, you know, we need a lot of water, but you don't want to overdo it. But there's, there's a capacity, right? We have a 16.9 fluid ounces somewhere. There's a capacity. But in the spiritual, we constantly keep expanding. And what happens is we change wineskins. So the more you drink, you can't put, Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Right? Remember that teaching? And so the more you drink, you find yourself changing. The more that you intake of the Spirit of God, the more you change. He causes things in your life to, to change. He brings things to the surface, and you, and you deal with those things. And then what happens? We have to change wineskins. We have to change our maturity level. Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. We have to change our spiritual maturity level because there's more going in. We have a higher accountability for what we've received. Come on now. And so we change maturity. We change wineskins. If you don't, what happens? You put new wine in an old wineskin and it bursts. And, and that what happens, what Heather was talking about earlier, you get offended. You don't keep adapting. You don't keep changing. You don't keep uh, growing in the spirit. All of a sudden you get offended because you haven't changed wineskins and, and you can't adapt. The wineskin gets hard and brittle and can't adapt, can't change to what God's doing in the now. You're still holding on to what he did. You're still drinking old water. It stinks. You're still drinking the old stuff when he's saying it's time to get into the new. Whew, glory. Glad that had a cap. For you, you, need, you don't need a cap. But for the water up here, we need to make sure they have caps on them. It's dangerous up here. Now, that's not what my message is, but I just wanted to share that. I think that's important because we need to keep drinking. We need to keep taking in of the Spirit of the Lord and being changed, right? That's where life happens, the life of God and the soul of man as we drink in. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We hear that echoed in John 14, 26. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven except through him. So he is life. In 1 John 5, 12, it says, he that hath the son hath life. If you don't have the son, 
You don't have life. So when you go to the hospital, I want to talk about signs of life this morning. When you go to the hospital, um, they, they check out some things. They want to know, do you have a pulse? Uh, do, you, do you have a blood pressure? Are you breathing? You know, those kinds of things. And they check those things to know why. Are you alive? Yeah. I had a dream the other day. I went and got a COVID shot and had uh, ended up with a blood clot in the ICU. So I don't know if that was a premonition about I don't know. But <laughs> I think it may have just been a bad piece of cheese before I went to bed. I'll just <laughs> chalk it up to that. But regardless, I don't know why I even went there. But anyway... <laughs> When you go to, the, they had to check my pulse and my blood pressure. They were checking me out to make sure I was living uh, after I got the shot in the dream. But when you go, they check those things out to see if you're living, if there's signs of life. So there's some spiritual signs of life. If we're if we're drinking in the abundant life that Jesus has promised, out of your innermost being, Jesus said, will flow rivers of living water. The 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 notice the term that Jesus is u- using there. Rivers, not Dead Sea, right? It's not a stream. It's not a Dead Sea. It's it's not a bayou or a canal. I don't know what terms a creek. You know, I don't know. There's, this isn't just. This is a river. It's full on, flowing river of living water. Water that's not decaying. Water that's not stagnating. But it's ri- living, living rivers of. Living, that's hard to say, rivers of living water. So how do you know that you have rivers? (laughs) I've been drinking myself this morning, so maybe maybe it's affecting my speech. Rivers, spiritual drink, but rivers of living water. How do you know? Number one, you have a desire for life-giving things. If you have living water flowing on the inside of you, you have a desire. There's a craving on the inside of you for spiritual, life-giving things. You don't hang out where dead waters flow if you're a living, if you're a living river. See, it's hard. If you have a living river, you don't hang out with the Dead Sea. Matter of fact, Ezekiel 47, in the, in the same area where Heather was reading from today, the river of living water that's flowing from the temple flows into the Dead Sea and makes everything that's dead in the Dead Sea live. So you're not hanging out with dead things. You are living where there is life. And there's a desire on the inside of you for spiritual life. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, we're told that we ought to pursue love and eagerly, everybody say eagerly, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Paul teaches us that we ought to be desiring spiritual things, spiritual gifts. It's important for you and I to eagerly pursue spiritual gifts. Now, we don't, we don't do that out of the context of love. Paul actually gives us the context with which we are to operate in spiritual gifts. We see that throughout Corinthians, that it, they operate, the motivation and the operational context of spiritual gifts is love. But we are to pursue spiritual gifts. We're never told to hide them or not stop pursuing them. We're actually told to eagerly desire them. And that is the, the gifts of the Spirit. First Peter 2 tells us to long for, or in the, the word long for in the Greek is to intensely crave the Word of God. That there ought to be a longing for and an intense craving in our hearts for the Word of God. Have you had a, ever had a hankering for something? 
Well, the other day, I had a hankering for sushi. We, as a matter of fact, it was last Sunday. I needed some sushi in my life. I don't know if anybody likes sushi, but I, any sushi lover, I love some good sushi. And it is hard to find good sushi in the Akron area. Uh, you say, well, we've got some good sushi plate. Not when you've been to the Gulf and lived in the Gulf. You don't have that fresh. And so, so it's hard. You know, comparison is hard. So anyway. There's this new place. Anyway, I won't go into all that. Anyway, so we, I got my sushi fix last, last Sunday. It was nice. And then I, I had it again this past week. Someone wanted to go to dinner, and we said, well, can we go to sushi again? Because <laughs> I, I, I had a hankering. I had a craving for something. Ever had a craving? There ought to be a hankering and a craving, an intense desire in your heart for the Word of God. If you're, if you're living, if the Holy Ghost is moving in your life. He's using, what does the Bible say? The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's the, it's the weapon the spirit of God uses in our life. And so there's a craving in our heart for the word of God. You know, some people get off track here because they, they make this a, a, a rule. I've got to read the Bible five, you know, five minutes a day, 50 minutes a day, an hour a day, two hours a day. I have to read so many chapters a day. And before you know it, it's no longer life-giving. It's a law. It's a rule, something you're supposed to do. And it's no longer producing life but death because you're in conflict because you don't have a desire. Start with the Holy Spirit producing a desire. Come on now. Start simple with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to give you a hunger for the Word. If there's a conflict, I promise you, He will. I promise that God will give you a hunger for his word. Why? Because it's his word. It's how he reveals himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's how God reveals himself. It's in his word. He will give you a desire for his word. If you're lacking, just ask. Now, when he gives you a desire for his word, you can't ignore it. I know I'm preaching just kindergarten Christianity this morning, but I watch. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. I would venture to say, if I went around the room and asked you how many minutes or hours a day you spend in the Word, it would be a good test, litmus test, to tell us how hungry you really are. So we got to tune into this. There is reality here. We got to tune into this. So we got to say, Lord, is there a hunger? And when He stirs that hunger, we can't ignore it. If you're hungry in the natural and you ignore that hunger pain and you keep ignoring it, eventually you're going to become sick because you're not getting nutrition. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth this morning. you you got to eat of the word. You can't ignore it. It might start off with just a bite. You might go in with just a verse, but you got to start and watch the hunger increase. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God is not withholding hunger and fulfillment of hunger. He wants you to be hungry for his word, for righteousness, for his presence. And the more that you hunger, the more that he gives. It's like saying, Lord, I need to be hungry. He gives you a steak dinner and come back, Lord, I'm hungry for more. That was really good. That was slap your mama good. I want some more of that. Give me some. And you eat some more of it. That's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a term of endearment. You, you, it's good. You want some more of it. And you eat more of it. And then he wants more. And you keep expanding. We talked about that earlier. God is not withholding himself. He wants you to have more. In Psalm 63, David said, You are my God, and early will I seek you. 
And then he uses this phrase, my soul, my soul, my core, the, everything about me thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. You know, there's, can I just pause? There's a problem when you don't want to go to church. There's a problem when you don't want to pray. There's a problem when you don't want to be in the word of the Lord. Something is out of alignment. It's not to beat yourself up and say, woe is me, horrible me. I'm a Christian and I'm not doing the checklist. No, it is symptoms of something deeper. There's a hunger problem. There's an affection problem in your life. And what we're talking about today are signs of life. So if the signs of life, if the hunger for the word, the craving for his presence, being in fellowship with believers, if those things are off kilter, something is wrong now in your life. And so it's just saying, Lord, what is off balance? What's out of alignment? What's out of alignment? What's taking place? What, what has become my idol? That's really what it's about. What's, what's become an idol in my life? Put no other gods before me. So what, what in my life has taken precedence over you and the things of the kingdom? And so we have to align ourselves. We have to check when this sign of life, you know, when you go to the hospital and they they say you've got arrhythmia or tachycardia or whatever. It doesn't mean that you're, you need a heart transplant. Do you hear me? It doesn't, mean you, it doesn't mean you have to go to the OR right then and get a heart transplant. It means something's out of whack. And sometimes they can just shock it real good and get you back into rhythm. Sometimes you just need to come to the altar and get a good shock from the Holy Ghost. He'll vivify some things in your life, bring some life to some things in your life. Whoa, I didn't know I needed that. I had some things out of whack. And he brings some new life, get things in order. But when you leave the altar, you've got to deal with those things that have kept you out of whack. I know I'm stepping on some toes this morning. But when you, you, can, get, you can get to the doctor's office and get a good clackers out, get those, what are the defibrillator. Clear. We all, that's what we do when we walk through. We just clear, 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 clear. That's what all that is. We're just get out, of the, just get it all dealt with. <laughs> we should start walking through the altar. Clear. <laughs> the catchers are going to go. We'll know if you really got something or not. <laughs> so it doesn't mean when you when you see the signs of life off, when you when the hunger for the word and things are, it doesn't mean you need a heart transplant. Something's out of whack and it's major major surgery. But you got to say, Lord, what is out of alignment? What? And when God clacks you back into order. And you go back home, deal with it. Deal with that thing that's gotten you out of order. If, if you've been eating potato chips all day, every day, and potato chips has gotten your heart out of whack, then my, by golly, stop eating the potato chips. If it's because you sit on the couch all day and you're lazy, then you got to go home and you got to start exercising. You might start off a minute a day on that treadmill, but get on the treadmill. Get your, get your heart. It's the same thing. It's mirrored in the spiritual. It's the same thing, right? We just got to get things in order when we recognize they're off. God will bring them back in supernaturally 
he'll awaken us, and we've got to go deal with it at home. So what are you hungry for today? Number two, another sign of life is walking in forgiveness. Don't shout me down this morning. Y'all get quiet out there. Are you walking in forgiveness? In Matthew 23, and verse, verse, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, it says, Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. I'm going to paraphrase this, and then I'll read it. If you come to church, and you're coming to worship, and you come into church with your worship, and you're offended, or you know someone's offended, don't stay at the altar. I love you, Jesus. Everything's wonderful. I'm like, who can I pick on? I can pick on Brother Don this morning because <laughs> I know he ain't offended with me. I don't know. Everybody else might be. I just know Brother Don ain't offended with me. And Brother Don, I have an offense. We got to deal with this. Right? Before, right, before you come to the altar, you deal with your offense. Why is that? Because your offense is standing between you and God. You can't worship freely when you're bogged down with an offense. That's why, that's why Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be. It's, it's standing between you. It's a block between you and the Father and your worship. You can put on a good show, but there's something that's limiting your worship. You can, you can put on a good show for everyone and do your dance and do your jig and sing the loudest, but there's something that's limiting your worship because you haven't forgiven. When you forgive, it frees your worship. So let me read Matthew 5. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, I, I would, I'd venture to say that if we practice this, there would be a lot less offense in church. Because we recognize that we can't come before the throne this isn't just on Sundays. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you come before the Lord with your gift, not before the altar at church, before the Lord with your gift. You hear that? So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's every day. So if you don't deal with the offense, you ought not be coming. So we can't carry, yeah, you're getting it. So that means we can't carry around an offense. We have to deal with it in the moment because if we don't, it affects our worship. If we don't deal with it in the moment, it affects how we're showing up before the throne. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I show up before God rightly, holy, without hindrance. Romans 12, 17 says, repay no one evil for evil. It says, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. What does that mean? It, it, to have the right perspective, to have the perspective of the good things in light of all men. In other words, view your brothers and sisters, view other people with the light of God, with the perspective of good, with the perspective of God. Don't start off with the perspective viewing others well. They're broken. They're horrible. They're wretched. I can't believe how stupid they are. Well, they'll never get it. I got quiet in here this morning because we do it, right? We show up in relationship, and, and when we have an offense, when there's, there's something in our heart towards someone, we show up and we judge them before we ever get there. Before we ever see them, we've judged them. 
and we have some sort of perspective about them before we ever walk in the room with them. And, and Paul tells us in Romans to not repay evil for evil and to have the perspective of good towards all men. Come on now. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind. That word kind in the Greek, you want to know what it means? It means pleasant and benevolent. Be kind. Be <laughs> Y'all aren't shouting me down this morning. I'm just talking about signs of life is all. Maybe this is one we got to work on. Be kind, be pleasant and benevolent to one another. Tenderhearted. That word tenderhearted in the Greek actually means to be compassionate to your core. To be compassionate to your very inner being. Jesus was moved with compassion. In, in, it, it actually means to your guts. Be compassionate in your intestines. It goes all the way to your guts, to your core. Be compassionate. Be pleasant and benevolent and compassionate, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That tells me a couple of things. Number one, we all need forgiveness. There's not anyone in this room, and I'm talking about interrelationally. I'm not talking between you and God. We all need forgiveness between us and the Father. We know that. And that forgiveness happens because of Christ. We know that. But, but he likens our relationships with others to our relationship with the Father. There's a direct connection between our relationship with the Father and the relationship we have with others. If we have unforgiveness towards others, it's unforgiveness towards the, we have that same relation. It's disconnect between the Father. It's like we're holding, I already said that, we're holding it. Same way, if you have unforgiveness towards God, why God, I hate you, I can't believe you did it. It goes out, believe me, we see it interrelationally as well. It comes out. You can't have disconnect between you and God and not have a disconnect between you and others. Okay? So just like you have a disconnect between you and others and it affects you and God, it's the same as true the other way around. But that being said, he says here that we are to forgive just as Christ forgave. So we know that there's this general understanding going into this thing, right? Just being, just being on the island together. Right? Just being in the same boat together, just being shipwrecked together in, in, in a life with Christ, you following? Just being together, we understand all of us are going to need forgiveness. There's going to be something that I do that's going to rub you the wrong way, and I can assure you there's something you do that's going to rub me the wrong way. And, and you're going to offend me, and there's going to be something that happens. I guarantee it. But what? We forgive. We forgive. I look at you and I say, thank you, Jesus, they are under the blood. Because I would take their blood right now if you didn't. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> right? Lord, I, for, I, I have to forget. I have to walk. So we have to learn how to walk and forgive. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you is going to tell you, you need to forgive them. Don't ignore that voice. Because if you do, you'll have something between you and the Father. So the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, I know Kathy's an Italian. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not an excuse. Come on now. Just because they're Italian isn't an excuse because everybody else who's something else is going to say the same thing about their. So who cares? you got to walk in forgiveness. Amen. Hallelujah. 
sign of life. Walk forgiveness. Number three, you got to live by faith. If you're, if you are, if you're living spiritual life, you're going to be living by faith. Romans 1.17 says that it is in the righteousness of God, in the word of God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It says this, it is written, the just shall live by faith. The, the foundation of our life in Christ is founded on faith. There's this foundation of faith. So you're saved by grace through faith. Everything in our life as believers is founded in faith. Philippians 3.9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, I want you to notice this, that righteousness is produced by faith. If, if you are having an issue with righteousness, flip that and help you understand. If there's an unrighteous area in your life, how are you functioning by faith? If You'll notice that most of the times that when we're struggling with sin or some sort of weight or care in our life, we're not operating in that area by faith. What we're doing is trying to handle it on our own. What we're doing is trying to handle it with our own carnal nature instead of by faith. Uh, but let me just give you an example, and, and this isn't directed at any one particular, so if you're convicted by the Holy Ghost, take it up with him. I'm just pulling an example, <laughs> a common example, actually. But, but in relationships, if we have a, have a relationship that, that we're trying to uh, control or to manipulate or we want it to be a certain way or we need a certain thing, come on now, because relation, we need affection, we need approval, on, we're wired, we're wired that way. And so when our carnal nature sets in to fulfill those desires ourselves, what happens? We pick up the we pick up the mantle of trying to work it out ourselves and do it in our own strength, whatever that looks like, trying to make that relationship happen in our own strength. And then what happens? We're not operating in faith. And before you know it, we're we're in full-blown unrighteousness. We're in full-blown sin in an area that we never intended. Come on now, don't shout me down. We never intended to be in full-blown sin or full unrighteousness because we're children of God. And we, as children of God, we know we don't operate in sin. We know better, we know, but because of our carnal nature, we're trying to do it ourselves instead of live by faith and say, well, God is going to handle my relationships. God's called me to live at peace with one another, but God, I'm going to follow godly principles of what he says in his word, but God's going to handle this relationship. God's going to handle my needs, my source, my, my sense of, uh, of approval and affection come from him first. Come on now. And then he handles all the rest. I don't have to try to make that work. I don't have to try to make Goober like me. I'm talking to somebody this morning, hallelujah. I don't know who it is, but you're listening. And so hear me good. You don't have to make somebody like you. Signs of spiritual life says, I'm good whether they do or they don't. I'm comfortable with you. I'm going to live how I'm called to live. I'm gonna, that doesn't mean you're arrogant. It doesn't mean any of those things. You're going to live Christ-like with godly character. But I, if I do that, they like me great. They don't. That's fine too. Because my approval comes from heaven, not from them. If you want a heavenly relationship, you have to function in a heavenly way. 
If you function in a relationship with an earthly mindset, you're going to have a carnal relationship. It's just how it works, plain and simple. Amen. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor. Amen. I'll encourage myself in the Lord. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith enables us to overcome the world. If there's unrighteousness in your life, faith will enable you to overcome it. If you want to live a victorious life, live by faith. Faith is the, the evidence of the unseen. Faith is the tangible evidence. It's the tangible reality of the unseen world. How do you get that? There's only one way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so if your hunger is off for the word of God, does this sound familiar? If your hunger is off for the word of God, then you got to go back to God and say, give me a hunger for the word, get in the word, live in fellowship with other believers, be in prayer, let faith get stirred up, and then you start living by faith instead of living like the devil. All right, good preaching, amen. Signs of life. Number four. Living sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. You know, that's one of those words a lot of people have debated over. What does sanctified really mean? Is it a one-time sanctification? Is it ongoing sanctification? You know, back in, back in the old days, they used to say, I got born again and sanctified and baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And remember in, in those, I, goodness, some of you, okay. I was, and, and sanctification was, it, it was called, it was considered a separate work of grace for some. You were born again, and then you had to get sanctified, which was a separate act, separate work, and then you were filled with the Holy Ghost once you were sanctified. You could get baptized in the Holy Ghost once you were sanctified. Until then, good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that we, somebody got in the Word somewhere along the way and realized that wasn't quite biblical. <laughs> but there is sanctification. And you and I have to live sanctified. That word sanctified means to be set apart. We are set apart. You can't live like the devil. If you're living, if your life looks more like the devil than it does Jesus, you are not spiritually alive. You cannot tell me you were born again and look like the devil. It doesn't look the same. There's going to be change. There's fruit of repentance. But keep going beyond that. There's a life of sanctification that happens when you're born again. The Holy Ghost won't leave you alone if you're looking like the devil. In any area. Even if you, I don't know about you, but if I say something wrong with the Holy Spirit, says, do you, do you really mean that? Do we really need to do that? Right? Am I the only one here this morning? You, you get out, you look at somebody crossing the street, did you really want to do that? You know, he's, he's, he's changing me. Not that he's, it's a bunch of legalism, but the Holy Spirit talks to me. He talks to me. He reminds me about the word. He tells me when I need to do something different. If, the, if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit's voice, you need to tune in, right? Tune in because the Holy Ghost will speak. He tells me about you too. Oh, he does. That's my job, right? He's a pastor. He tells me about me. He also tells me about you. I don't know how many times I've had the Holy Spirit say, hey, you need to talk to them about this. Y'all got quiet in here. 
there's, there's, or there'll be times I'll be, I'll be preaching. The Holy Spirit said, you need to talk about this. There'll be times where the Holy Spirit, it's like there, there'll be a glowing light around somebody while I'm preaching. I'm, I'm telling all the secrets now. There'll be like a glowing light. It's not literally like a light from heaven, but like it, 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 they should, it might as well should be because it's that evident. And the Holy Spirit just starts speaking to me while I'm preaching about that person and what I need to say as it relates to that person. Not all the time. There are times God will give me specific names and say this is what they're doing. This is what's happening. doesn't mean that I always have to call it out and say, Bob, thus says the Lord. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to preach the word. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll speak to us. Why does he do that? And he'll do, you know what? He'll do that for you, for other people in the body. He'll, he'll wake you up in the morning and say, hey, you need to call Linda today. She needs a word of encouragement. You'll call Linda. Oh, that, that was, I needed to hear that. That's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us. He's setting us apart to live sanctified, to live set apart, not unrighteous, but set apart, living holy. And those words, that word of encouragement, that word from the scripture, that, that word, the revelation from the Holy Spirit, is, it's not to condemn, it's not to judge. I don't sit everyone's like, well, I can't believe Jen did that again. Oh my goodness, Pastor Jen. And I'm sitting here judging. No, the, if, if that is my response, listen, if that is my response, the Holy Spirit's going to deal with that. Because remember what we read earlier, Romans 12, don't repay evil for evil, but to have a God perspective, the good perspective of all. So if I go into that conversation with the devil's perspective and look at her like the devil, right, <clears throat> I'm an error. Regardless of what the Lord told me, I'm an error. <clears throat> and he'll deal with that. Believe me, he does. He'll deal with that. Romans 5 tells us you were once in darkness, but now you're in the light. Walk as children of the light and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't, don't have any fellowship. Let me read this. Don't have any fellowship with the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Please come back. I didn't mean to offend you. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That doesn't mean that you're going around saying, I got the microphone glass out. Harry, you got unfruitful works in your life. Let me see. I need to see that unfruitful work in your life. Yep, there it is. Exposed. Exposed. Like, Harry's got unfruitful works. Harry's got unfruitful works. Harry, what's, what's that show? Uh, Andy Griffith. Remember, what's the guy on Andy Griffith? Anyway. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Barney Fife. I am not the Barney Fife Christian going around. Kathy's got unfruitful works. No, what that means, goodness, Lord help me. <laughs> what that means is I'm saying, Lord, what's unfruitful in me? Remember John 15, to abide in the presence of the Lord as we abide with him. And what does he do? He comes and he cuts off, he prunes the unfruitful. So the unfruitful is in me. Lord, expose the unfruitful in me. If I've got a bad attitude, Lord, we need to deal with it. Here's my bad attitude. You know what? And the Lord has a way. If you don't deal with it between he, you and he, he has a way of bringing it out between you and all. Right? He has a way. If you don't deal with it, remember David? Mm -hmm. 
David thought everything he was doing was in secret. He watched from secret. He murdered from secret. He did other things from secret. He thought it was all secret, right? But when he was supposed to have a baby, God was watching. The judgment came. When all of it went down, and, he, and God tried to deal with it. Remember, God tried to deal with it privately. He even sent a man by the name of Nathan, right? He tried to deal with it privately, but there was judgment on his sin publicly. So you might think you're getting away with it. Nobody knows. Oh, but God does. He's taking account. So expose it. It's better to expose it and say, Lord, here it is. Let's deal with this. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. As I say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Confirmation, conforming, the process of conforming is natural. You live this life, the, the, the result of the fall, the carnal nature, the result of the fall is that you will conform. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They hid. They were conforming to the world around them. They were called. They were set apart. They were supposed to be set apart, leading, taking dominion, taking authority. But the minute that sin happened, what did they do? They shrank into the shadows and hid. They conformed. And God said, where are you? And it wasn't because he didn't know. They were conforming. But transformation is a spiritual process. Transformation happens by a change in your mind. Not just turning over a new leaf. Not just getting a new idea about something. It is a change. It is a dynamic change that happens in your mind by the renewing of your mind according to the word of the Lord. Our carnal mind has the perspective of death. Our carnal mind is stuck on death mode. Everything that we see through the carnal mind is through the eyes of the devil, the liar, and death. Everything is a lie, and it's all about conforming. It's all about, can I say, to keep us safe. It's that self-preservation. How do I stay safe? How do I preserve self? Can I tell you that God doesn't want to preserve yourself? He wants to crucify it. God is not out at preserving yourself. He wants it dead. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Self has to die on the cross. That's where transformation happens. Self has to die, right? But our tendency, the, the, the conforming, the safety mode, the self-preservation mode of our life, that's carnal thinking. And the only way to change that is by being renewed in the word of God. Life happens in the word. Change happens in the word. And so when God says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and we feel like death warmed over, our self-preservation is to say, well, I'm just going to sit here on the pew this morning. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to say amen. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to do anything because I just need to sit. And you're calling it receive, but you're really not. I just need to sit and just receive. Well, that's not really what you're doing. You're, you're self-preserving is what you're doing. You're just sitting and soaking in your own sourpuss self. That's what you're doing. But when you recognize the word of God says that he's the resurrection and the life, you renew your mind with, he's the resurrection and the life. I don't feel like it, but he's the resurrection and the life. Self, get on the cross. You're going to die. Self, you got to get on the cross. I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to get up and go to church today. I'm just picking this morning. Just bear with me. 
I know you don't want to get up and go to church today, but guess what, self? You're going to get up because what we're going to do, we're going to worship. We're going to, we're going to have fellowship with the believer. We're going to hear the preaching of the word. We're going to pray. We're going to prophesy. We're going to really give today because you're not feeling like it. We're just going to really crucify that self. I was going to give $50, but today I'm going to give 100 because I'm really going to nail that thing to the cross. Come on now. I'm not just going to sing one song. I'm going to dance myself down to that altar and really give my praise to it because that self's got to crucify because he's the resurrection and the life. I'm not going to live in death. I'm going to live in life. Come on now. This is good preaching. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. <laughs> Let's just keep reading that. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. I ain't stepping on your toes is the word of God. So it says, do not love the world or the things in the world, because if you do, the love of the Father's not in you. That's good stuff. That's going to, yeah, somebody's nailing some things to the cross this morning, that's for sure. Talking about your affections. What do you love more? Is it the COVID check you want more? <laughs> Can't wait to get my COVID money so I can go buy did you tithe off of that? How I know if your affections are in the right place is what you did with it when you got it. Did you say, Lord, let's write this check, 10%. Lord, I'm loving you today. Thank you, Jesus. Or, I, you ain't getting my money. I'm going out and spending it on I mean, what, what's, the, what's the guidelines in the Bible anyway for tithing? I mean, really, does the Bible say we really have to tithe over a government check? I mean, really, is that what we're supposed to do? Oh, I, I've heard it. I, I've just, I've heard it. You may, you may not have said it to me, but I've heard it. Remember the Holy Ghost? But we, that's what... Come on now. Somebody's going to be going home and figuring out how much money they've gotten for the government <laughs> sitting in a tithe check this week because they realize they've been disobeying, disobeying. Come on now. Signs of life ain't there. They, they've been loving the world more than they're loving the Father. That's what that means. You love the world more than the Father. Because why? It's his money. It's his stuff. It's all his. And he's got, he got gold streets. What you worried for for a few couple dollars? Come on now. Why are you living in poverty thinking you got to hold on to everything and be a Scrooge when he's got gold streets? You walking on gold. Why are you worried? He'll take care of you. That's a whole nother sermon. Anyway, living, living sanctified. Mm-hmm. Somebody say, Pastor, will you stop? I have to go to the ER and get my feet bandaged. Can you just stop? <laughs> we'll have Melissa and Ray and whoever else, medical team out in the foyer later. They'll help you. Number five. <clears throat> we'll, we'll end on an easy one. <laughs> Number five. This is not a checklist, by the way. This is just signs of life. We're just taking your pulse this morning. If arrhythmia has set in, just get the clackers out. That's all I'm saying. Number five. 
Love for one another. How do you know? Love for one another. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We can go on, and that verse says, He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. But we're, he's, God is love. The essence of who he is is love, and so his work in our life is love, and ought to overflow in brotherly love. Do you know that when you demonstrate your love to others, it's worship back to God? It's a cycle of love. He pours out his love on you, you love others, and it's, and it, it's worship to him. It's, a, and it's an expression of love back to him as you love others. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12 and 13 says, and may the Lord make you, I, I love this verse, and I, I really want you to hear this. It's, I hope you've been writing down these scriptures. If not, they'll be available in our discussion guide online because these scriptures are really powerful. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 and 13 says, and we, all scripture is powerful and God-breathed, by the way, I should clarify. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, third time is a charm. And may the Lord make you increase and abound, not in money, not in understanding, not in joy or peace. Or Listen to what he says. All those things are good. This is what he says. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, brothers, sisters in Christ, and to all, just as we do to you, so that he, listen, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, I, wanna, I just want to break this down quickly. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and all. He wants you to increase and abound in brotherly love to one another. Our brotherly love should always be increasing. You might find the person you're sitting next to very difficult to love. <laughs> Don't say amen. But according to the scripture, your love ought to be increasing towards them. Mm-hmm. And not just increasing, but abounding. Remember without measure? Yeah, okay. Now this is where it really gets you. This verse, man, it's just one of those that just kind of sticks. Love to one another and to all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Your brotherly love is connected to your holiness. In other words, brotherly love fosters holiness in your life. You cannot be holy and not have brotherly love. God said, be holy as I am holy. He is what? Love. You cannot have holiness without brotherly love. Holiness demands that you walk in brotherly love towards one another. It's impossible to have. So if, you're, if there's spiritual life in you, there's brotherly love in you. And it ought to be increasing and abounding. That increasing, you can start at a mustard seed, but it's going to grow. It might be small, but it's going to grow. It's going to increase. Your brotherly love is going to increase. And how do you do that? Your brotherly love for one another will not increase if you're on an island by yourself. You can't have brotherly love for people that you're never around. Ah, hallelujah. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost on that one. Let me just pause for a moment here. 
You cannot have brotherly love for people that you're never around. You can, you can have an affection towards them, but brotherly love increases in your heart because what? You rub shoulders together. You rub elbows together. You do life together. If you're not doing life together, that love has no opportunity to increase. It's when you do life together and they say something that ticks you off and you want to punch them and you back up and you say, that ain't brotherly love and that's certainly not walking in forgiveness, so I'm going to forgive you. Hey, Kathy, when you said that, I felt really offended, but I'm getting over that. That is, I don't want to hang on to the offense, so I forgive you. I'm letting that go. It's water under the bridge. We're moving forward. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you anyway. And, and what? Brotherly love increases. But when you harbor offense and attitudes and all those things, it decreases. It goes down. So the, the same is true. The opposite of that is, is true. So we have to foster brotherly love, and that happens as we do life together. And as we do that, our holiness increases. Now, I want you to understand something. We receive righteousness. I, I, I want to... And I hope I don't get too much in the weeds, and I, I, I'm trying to wrap up, so I don't want to go too deep here on the end. But we receive imputed righteousness. We have Our righteousness, the Bible says, is that of what? Filthy rags. We, our righteousness is of filthy rags. There's n- nothing, there's, the Bible says none are righteous. No, not one. So our righteousness is not of ourselves. It comes from God, right? Our holiness is the stewardship of the righteousness we've been given. Holiness is the stewardship of God's righteousness. So if we steward righteousness that we've received, we're going to live holy. That's why God said, be holy as I'm holy. He didn't tell you to be perfect. He said, be holy. His holiness means that he's set apart. He is perfect. There's none like him. But his holiness means that he's set apart. There's this uh, uh, holiness in our lives that we ought to be living and portraying. It's a continual stewardship of God's righteousness in our life. And we start living holy. You hear what I'm saying this morning? And so what does that look like? We have our God's righteousness in our life demands holiness. So when we're presented with an opportunity to gossip, God's righteousness in our life says gossip is like a cancer. It's like gangrene. It's not, it's not holy. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm going to stop whatever that is because I'm not going to allow I'm not going to allow the cancer to continue. I'm not allowed gangrene. So, I, you know what? I don't understand what you just said. I think we need to go to that person and have a chat. What about you? Let's go have a chat. You know what? If you, People say, well, people always come to me with their problems. And what they're really saying is they really come to you with all of their gossip. And, well, you know, I, I have a newsflash for you. If you start saying to all those people who want to gossip to you, I don't know why they all come talk to me about their gossip. Well, here's what you do. You start saying to them, hey, they come, they come to complain to you about Veronica. I'm just picking on Veronica this way. They come to complain to you about Veronica. Veronica, you know what? I don't know that that's how Veronica operates. I love Veronica because I have brotherly love, and I respect her because I have brotherly love. So I'm going to go to Veronica. You know what? Let's go to Veronica. Let's go deal with this. And you, the more times you do that, all of those little gossipers are going to stop coming to you. Because why? They know you're going to say, let's go talk to that person. You know, people don't come gossip to me. I don't know why they don't come gossip to me. I'm like... I'd love to hear your gossip because you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to say, this is what this really is. Let's deal with this. Our brotherly love is increasing. And holiness is increasing. 
1 John 3.23 says, and this is, worship team, why don't you come down? And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. This is his commandment, that we believe on his, on his name and we love one another. Signs of life, take your pulse this morning. It's good to do a check-in every once in a while. Are we, are we living worldly? Are we living carnal? Are we living with spiritual life? Every single one of us this morning, why don't you stand? Every single one of us needs to do a pulse check this morning. Every single one of us needs to put on the blood pressure cuff of our spiritual life and say, where am I at? And I'll guarantee you every single one of us in the room have a place where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us. There's not one of us in this room this morning and say, well, I got that. Bless God, I'm perfect. You know, if you said that this morning, then you're like at number one. Let's start all the way at the beginning. <laughs> Check yourself. You're, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you can have fun in church. A little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. It's okay. It's okay to laugh. It's like medicine. Brings health to your bones. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the pulse check this morning. Thank you for your word that's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword that dives deep into the marrow, discerning our thoughts. Thank you, Lord, that the great discerner of the word has pierced deep, Lord, even in some this morning I sense, Lord, and it's reflected to others as a mirror, things that we've needed to get in maybe to alignment for a long time. Jesus, I thank you that spiritual life is flowing in this place. I thank you, Lord, that as I look out on the crowd today and know some of those who are online this morning, Father, that Truly, there is spiritual life flowing in this place. And Lord, you're calling us to increase. You're calling us to that life of abundant living without measure. Lord, that we can live a life without measure, an abundant life without measure. And today, Lord, we're checking ourselves to see where that measure is. Are we at 16.9 fluid ounces or are we overflowing? Jesus, help us to be people that are overflowing overflowing that self would get out of the way and we would overflow Jesus, Jesus Jesus yeah right where you're at just let the Holy Spirit just let the Holy Spirit just illuminate things in your life just respond to what the Holy Spirit has maybe revealed to you today maybe you just need to say Lord I repent of the bad attitude maybe you just need to start with the, in a place of repentance Maybe you just need to start in a place of repentance and say, Lord, forgive me for trying to do it in my own strength and not operate by faith. Lord, forgive me for, for living in unrighteousness instead of faith. Lord, forgive me for, for not putting you first, for allowing there to be an idol. Come on, just talk to him. And right there on your own, thank you, Jesus. 